For the Jews, Jesus didn't stick to the plan. I'll read you from Isaiah, the day of the Lord. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted. They will be humbled. The arrogance of man will be brought low and human pride will be humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Stop trusting in mere humans who have but breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? Again, in that day, the branch of David will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. Those who are left in Zion, who remained in Jerusalem, will be called holy, all who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glowing of flaming fire by night. Over everything, the glory will be a canopy. It will be a shelter and a shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and hiding place from the storm and the rain. Further in Isaiah, uh, we find this in chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. They had been promised from their second king, David, that a time will come when Israel will be the prominent nation across the globe. And their king would be the king of kings. He would reign over the planet. That was the promise that they had. Um, they got close with Solomon. He was really well-renowned. And for as far as the, the east was for them and the west was for them, Solomon was known. Other kings brought money and gifts to Solomon, and he was opulent. But years came, and the kingdom eventually split. Years came, and the whole nation of Israel was taken into exile in Babylon. We've been looking on Sundays at the book of Ezra, which talks about that period after the exile when people started to trickle back to Israel to build their houses again um, and to build the temple. Still knowing this promise that actually one day our king is going to be the king who reigns over everything. And that day is what they refer to as the day of the Lord, the day when God would exact his vengeance on all those people who have reigned over Israel when they, they should be subjects. They should be subjects to Israel. And whenever you hear the word Messiah, um, don't think it's Jesus' family name because Joseph was not Joseph Messiah, neither was Mary, Mary Messiah. Messiah means anointed one, the chosen one, uh, the one whom God has selected for this particular task. And for the Jews, the word Messiah spoke about this king who had been chosen for this particular task, whose task it was going to be to restore, what does he say here in verse 6 of chapter 1? 
Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That was his job. The day of the Lord was the day when the anointed one, the chosen one, the Messiah, the king who was going to be king of all kings, would one, restore the kingdom to Israel. Why? Because they were under Roman rule. And two, would restore the kingdom to Israel in the sense that Israel would now become the prominent, dominant imperial power across the globe with this king at its head. So whenever they welcomed a Messiah, and we know from reading in Luke that there were a few other people who had appeared claiming to be the Messiah beforehand. Whenever they welcomed the Messiah, this was their hope. This is the person who's going to come, who, like David slaying the Philistine Goliath, was going to bring to an end Roman oppression and give Israel the nation that it, did, that it, um, it hoped it was going to be. Jesus did not follow the plan. He didn't. Definitely dying was not part of the plan. The Messiah wasn't supposed to die. So all those who had believed in him struggled with the idea that he had died. And you know this because they were found in a room locked on the inside because they were afraid of what others would do to them. He wasn't supposed to die. When he comes back to life, things get interesting again. Now he has conquered death, which is our biggest enemy. Is he, go is he going to make Israel the dominant nation on the planet now? Can you hear the question in the middle there? You know, it's like, okay, now you've died and you've come back from the dead. We thought we'd lost you. We'd lost our hope. But you're back now and you seem to have this power now, which is, which is over death. We saw you raise the dead. You know, but now you've been able to raise yourself from the dead. That's something no one else has ever done. You must be the one who God is sending. So our speculation about your job leads us to believe that at some point, it could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be the day after, you are going to turn things on their head so that no longer are the Romans in charge. It's Israel that's going to be in charge with you as our king. And no one's going to dispute across the world a king who can't be killed. No? Because that would be the test, wouldn't it? That would be the test. Okay, bring your king. Bring your king. Let's kill him. Let's see what happens. If he comes back from the dead, he can dispute with Jesus because already Jesus has died and risen again. So this plan of taking over the world, I think, God, you've got it right here. You've sent the right person. You've given the right powers. So, you know, when are we going to do this? When are we going to do this? He wasn't following the plan. He wasn't following the plan, but that's because they hadn't understood what God's plan was. God is such a loving, loving, loving God. And you know this from how he has interacted with people across time. When Elijah wanted to see him, and God said to him, Actually, I love you too much to show you who I am because the sight of me will kill you. Can you imagine being that brilliant that the sight of you would kill someone? And um, there's a story that uh, I was told which um, helps illustrate this. Um, some soldiers went to liberate uh, a, a prisoner of war camp. 
And when they got to this prison, they opened all the cages and everything, you know, and people were let out. But they, the prisoners who were being let out kept talking about this particular cell that was underground, where the, the, they, they kept uh, the, the people they were torturing. And so when the liberating um, soldiers opened this thing and came in there with their guns and everything, the men who were in there were petrified. They didn't want to come anywhere near the soldiers. Why? Because although they were doing the thing that was right to do, the circumstances meant that what they symbolized by how they dressed and, and what they were carrying with them was terrifying. It was not freedom. It was fear. And so one of the soldiers, recognizing what was going on, puts his gun down, takes his uniform off, takes his vest, is left in just his shorts, in the cold, dark room like the rest of the, so the prisoners who were there. And he goes and he stands alongside them. And then one by one, he takes them by the hand and leads them out of the prison. When God says to Elijah, if I show you who I am, it'll kill you. There is something true to this. that The sight, ultimately, of the person who made the universe would be too much for the human mind to comprehend. And you would lose the very thing that makes you a human being. That is compassion. That is compassion. And it's this same God who now turns to these Jews who are sitting with him after he's resurrected and says to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by his own authority. Actually, you haven't got the plan right. But that's not a problem because if I gave you the plan, you will lose sight of who you are. You will lose the very thing that makes you who you are. It's compassion that makes God withdraw that level of detail to what he's going to do. So I can stand here and preach about the Jews getting the plan wrong because God allowed them to get the plan wrong so that I could talk about them getting the plan wrong so that we could learn about how to trust God with the plans that he has made. That's very different to the Jews getting the plan right and being perfect and being absolutely, you know, perfect people and running the world from the very beginning, we might not have had the chance to get to know what it means to be truly human, to have faith, to look ahead and hope. Someone asked me, I was visiting a church um, on, Sat on Sunday, um, I was covering someone off on holiday, as you do, and he said to me um, that he's not looking forward to his final years. And I said to him, and it's, it shocked me, and I've been pondering this myself since it came out of my mouth. I said to him, do you not realize that this is the last time you're going to be able to hope? Once death comes, you no longer live in the space to hope because you will see God. Now, imagine if I gave you your Christmas present in July. How would Christmas be like? 
boring. But there is something about waiting. If I showed you the box all wrapped up and I put it on the shelf, and I said to you, hey, on Christmas Day, you can open this box. It's going to be incredible. Now you have the days of hope in between. In between. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't have it with me here. Those final days are the days where the strength is gone. And for some people, the mind is gone. And all you have is the heart. That's all you have. And that's where hope really lies. And that's the, I can't wait to live those days to sample that kind of hope because I can't sample that kind of hope now. It's unique to that time and it's such a gift. Such a gift. Not knowing, but trusting that you will know. Such a gift. And here he's saying to them, it's not for you. It's not for you to know God's plan. It's not for you to know ultimately what God's going to do. No. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There is the plan. It's not going to be by power, not going to be by might but by spirit, says the Lord. And spirit is important because spirit codifies how you are supposed to live. Spirit is an attitude. Spirit is a way of being. Spirit is an idea, an ideology. Spirit is a, a thing that is a guiding principle to how you are to live your lives. Power did not work for the Romans. There's no Roman Empire now. It did not work for the Jews either. Every civilization that has relied on powers ultimately failed and crumbled across history. Spirit. When Jesus says to them, wait for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll receive power. And then what? You will be my witnesses into all of the earth. He's given them the plan. The day of the Lord is coming. But that day is not going to look like you thought it would look, where I would rock up with my helmet on, with massive feathers on there, big armor, big broadsword, with archers behind me charging, going, ah, we're going to take over Rome. No, it's going to come in a different way. The power that raises people from the dead, it's going to come upon you. It's going to give you courage. It's going to give you confidence. It's going to give you compassion. It's going to give you clarity. It's going to teach you how to love and then you will go and you'll be witnesses to that. And you will reshape the world. Why? Because you'll walk to where there are slaves and, and demonstrate a love that ensures that they be set free. You will walk to where women are considered second-class citizens. And you will be there in love and compassion and champion for justice so that changes happen that cannot be undone. You will go and you will, you will speak to where children are chimney sweepers and, and dying from asthma, and you, you will work towards their health. You will go like this guy in Bristol, and you will open schools for, for orphans. You will go, you will, like Mother Teresa, you will wash the feet of those who are homeless and destitute. You will go like the guy who went to 
uh, this island in South America where there was a leper colony. And he went and he lived among them and he preached the gospel to them. And the, the love that they have understood of God is beyond anything you can imagine. You will go and you will, you will encourage a curate as he develops in his ministry. This is how we are going to change the world. This is how we're going to conquer the planet through compassion fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by power as human beings deal it, not with guns, but with that deep love that takes off the military garb and meets skin to skin with those who need to feel compassion with that deep love that takes off the robes of heaven and wears human flesh and meets skin to skin with those who are mourning for Lazarus that appears to you and eats fish. That's the love. That's the plan. And then what does he say? After this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is, for me, one of the most beautiful moments in scripture. Uh, I, I, I cannot wait to find out where he went when he went, but I totally understand him going. Because for so long as he was there, they wouldn't leave to go and do the things that he's asked them to do. So long as he was there, they would still stick to the old plan, which is get this man a sword and a shield because he's going to fight for us. Get this man a sword and a shield so that he can use human power with a touch of that kind of healing the blind, raising the dead power to overpower everybody so that we can rule. He goes so that they receive compassionate power so that they can be like he has been, like he is, a body for others, so that they can go and be the hands and feet of God into the communities that he's called them to be in, so they can do the things that we hear about in the book of Acts. They can slowly change the world, one day at a time. 300 years later, the Roman Empire is no more. The nation we have now, for all its faults, um, has freedoms that are built upon the story of Jesus and the message of God and God's plan for humanity. And in the space of skepticism and cynicism, I still trust and know that God hasn't abandoned this plan of compassion and love. And for so long as people try and build things that are not geared towards this plan of compassion and love. Like the Tower of Babylon, he'll seed confusion because for love, human beings need to let go of those things that they depend on. So, I hadn't prepared a sermon for today. <laughs> they will tell you. I don't even know where I was going with this. Um, but my question, I think, to, to you is, there are some things which 
um, need to be reshaped in us about what we think God is going to do for us. That's number one. So if, if you were hoping that God was going to hoover the house, um, that's the, I don't think that's what he's going to do. He's not the apron-wearing, house-hooverer kind of God. He'll hoover the heart, I can tell you that for sure. But uh, even with that, he'll show you where the dust is and, uh, and ask you to go with the brim and do some of that. Why? Because if you're shaped into a compassionate lover, you change the world. So if there are some of those things that you hoped he would change for you, maybe in your mind, in your body, in your heart, um, that he probably is making clear that he's not going to change. Now is the time to seek his peace for it. And then there are some things which um, we need to put in him to keep safe in heaven as he ascends from us. And those are those things that can't be rooted here on earth. So um, I, I want to trust you with my dreams. I want to trust you with my hopes. I want to trust that you will look after me and that I will be with you when the day actually comes that I do pass on. And this is what you, you take. You wrap in linen like his body and you give it to him to, to die with, to resurrect with, and then to do that incredible thing. You know, just take it with him wherever he's gone, where things don't die anymore. And yeah, that's all I've got for us today. Um, let us pray. It's not for us to know the times and dates you have set by your own authority, Lord God. Would you teach us how to trust you? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit so much that without knowing we bear witness to you in our frailty, in our weakness, in our humanity. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.